Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. How are you doing today? I'm so glad to be with you. And you know, for those of you on live stream, for some reason the camera is not cooperating this morning, so it may simply be audio. We're trying to fix it, but it may be audio. So it's our first glitch since we began. So I'm so sorry about that. Um, But... um, we are with you, and I'm happy to be. Technology is fantastic, and if there's a, a a glitch once, okay, we are uh, we're going to see what we can do to fix it. So, uh, to count to uh, three, and I'm going to see if this will work. Um, and then uh, I think it's okay now. Hold on, one minute. Count to ten, um, and we're going to. I think we're going to be okay on this one. All right. So we have been talking about um, the different um, abuses at the Mass, and we've been looking um, at a... No, it looks like we may not be all right. Well, we'll just talk today. We'll talk together and we'll listen together. Um, uh, It was Dr. Um, Kevin Orlin Johnson... Um, who wrote the 10 most common liturgical abuses. And this is our third day or partial day on them. And I think um, we'll definitely finish it today. But so many people, and actually this was written 20 years ago, and so many people struggle with um, the abuses at the Mass or things that happen at the Mass. They don't know if it's an abuse or not. Um, And so... um, we're going through these, and I think in the 10 years or 20, I should say, since this was written, uh, we could probably add a few. And I think uh, one of our brothers, I think it was Roland, I'm not sure, who wrote in yesterday uh, and named seven of them, some of which are not included on here. But let me go ahead and um, uh, start by repeating the one we were at yesterday, which is ignoring the rules for reception of the Eucharist. Um, uh, And it reads, the official statement um, of the rules for reception has recently been rewritten by the National Conference of Catholic Bishops, and unfortunately, it is pretty vague. But... Dr. Johnson says, I still say clearly, it still says clearly, that in order to be properly disposed to receive communion, participants normally should have fasted for one hour, abstaining from food and drink except water or medicine. And when I read this a while back, um, 
I I mentioned how I know in some parishes there's coffee uh, and cookies out in the vestibule, out in the what they call the gathering space. Um, I it, it's um, and and it's before mass. It's one thing if people come from mass and and partake, but before mass they're all disqualified from taking the Eucharist, but they receive the Eucharist anyway. It's it's not even an hour fast. I see people at church chewing gum, uh, having uh, candy or something in their mouth, and it's forbidden. The only exception is for absolute medical need, nothing else. Um, and uh, Dr. Johnson goes on to say the rewrite also goes to great lengths to say that non-Christians and Christians not in communion with the church, are welcome to come to Mass. But it is not nearly so clear as it used to be on the fact that they may not receive the Eucharist. The new phrase, quote, ordinarily not committed to Holy Communion, ordinarily not committed to Holy Communion, makes some Catholics and too many priests figure that it's all right for non-Catholics to take communion on special occasions like weddings or funerals or if the non-Catholic is a prominent person like a government official uh, or head of state. Exceptions are so few and given in circumstances so rare that it might have been more helpful to write simply not admitted to Holy Communion. But that is for the bishops to say. So um, it's it really uh, unfortunate, truly, truly unfortunate. People uh, tell their guests, or either they're afraid to tell someone because he might be a Protestant pastor that's coming with them to the Catholic Church, and we don't want to offend. We'd rather, I, 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 I shouldn't put it this way, uh, and claim it's an intention. It's not an intention, but what we're doing is choosing between offending our guest and offending the Lord. And you say, well, God will understand. Well, of course he understands. And what he understands is that our sympathy horizontally for others is greater than our reverence for God. That's what he understands. Because we, God has said to us through his church, a Catholic, no one but a Catholic, and a Catholic in a state of grace should receive the Eucharist, and we determine otherwise. It is our sin against God. And the fact is, we're leading people to lie, to L-I-E, to lie. We are, um, we or the, or the, uh, the priest or whoever invites them, someone who is not Catholic to receive communion, could be the spouse of a Catholic, could be uh, a political official, could be the President of the United States, it matters not. If someone is not Catholic and not in communion with the church, which is to say, in a state of grace, um, they may not receive communion because, again, we are leading them to sin. We are leading them to lie. They are receiving communion. They are committing an act which is a lie because they are not in communion with the Catholic Church. And to receive the host is to say we are in communion when we're not. And so even if someone is not Catholic and they say, 
but I believe it's truly Christ. Well, it's only truly Christ in the Catholic Church, not in their Protestant Church. It's not subjective. It's an objective truth. Only a Catholic priest can um, consecrate a host and set it apart. And only through his words of consecration is the bread made God, our Lord Jesus. Just as at the Last Supper, when Jesus held himself in his own hands, and he said, uh, held himself, those are the words of St. Augustine, he picked up a piece of matzah, which is thin, unleavened bread, bread that didn't rise, very thin, like a cracker, like a wafer, and he put it in his hands, our Lord did, and he said, this is my body. Well, why would he say that? It wasn't his body. It was a piece of matzah. But God creates by his word. He said, let there be light, and there was. He said, this is my body, and bread obeyed, and became his body, and was his body in his hands. And it was his body that he distributed at the last supper, the last Passover supper, to his disciples. At all other Passover dinners, matzah was distributed. But this was the last Passover of the Old Testament and the first of the New. And so matzah was no longer matzah. It was now bread from heaven. It was now our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what he distributed to his disciples. The same thing with the cup. As he raised the cup, I grew up, we were raising the cup at the Passover Seder, the table, and we would take the wine. And we would have four blessings over the wine. And now our Lord took the chalice of the wine, and he said, this is my blood. It was the last Passover supper that would ever be had under the old covenant. And it was transformed to the blood of the true Lamb of God in the new covenant at his words. And to this day, 2,000 years later, when priests say, over bread, over that little round host, over the wafer, not a host yet, it's, it's the bread for consecration. It becomes the host because it hosts God. It actually becomes God, doesn't contain God. It becomes God, the very substance is the Son of God, body, soul, blood, and divinity. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. And it is Christ who says through the priest, as he did at the Last Supper, this is my body. It is Christ who does that. This is my body. This is my blood. And if we could see with our eyes what our faith understands or has come to learn, we would not see the priest because, in a sense, he, he doesn't exist. It is Christ who is the high priest and Christ who is the victim and Christ who says through the instrument of the human priest, this is my body, this is my blood, and as at the Last Supper, bread and wine obey and they become God, which is why we kneel. We, we adore God alone. We're not idolaters. When non-Catholics think that we practice idolatry, it's because they think we're worshiping a piece of bread and a cup of wine. If that were the case, we would be idolaters, but we're not. The bread becomes our Lord, the wine becomes our Lord. And so someone who does not believe that, or who is not, because if someone says, I'm not Catholic, but I do believe that, well, the only place that's true 
is through the priesthood. Um, and no one but a priest can consecrate. And if you believe it and you remain outside the Catholic Church, you have a problem. Um, but you may not receive it uh, if you may not receive communion unless you are truly Catholic. Unless you are truly Catholic. Not because you believe it. If you believe it, you need to obey God. You need to enter his church and be in a state of grace, and then you can receive him. Um, and Dr. Johnson goes on to say, naturally, you are also required to be free from grave sin, what we all used to call mortal sin, and we we commented on that the other day. Mortal sin was not changed to call be called grave sin. Grave sin is serious grave sin, which becomes mortal if the person committing it knows it's grave, if they're aware it will separate them from God, and if they do it uh, of their own free will, of their own free will. They're not, there's not a gun next to them uh, against their head. They're not drugged. Uh, they do it freely knowing it will separate them from God. Um, then it's mortal. Mortal means death. Then they have separated themselves from God. Has God separated you from him? No, you have separated yourself from him. You must not receive the Eucharist at that point. Beloved, there's the music for our break. Um, uh, go ahead. You will be able to call and text and email, even though we've not been able to uh, fix the technical problem here that uh, we're, uh, it's sound only. But you can call in just the same, beloved, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483. Join us throughout the week in praying the Rosary, the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, and the Liturgy of the Hours. To find a schedule of devotionals you can pray with on the Station of the Cross, check out our programming grid at thestationofthecross.com. Click the Programs tab at the top of our homepage to navigate to our complete programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, Love in Truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. This is Father Yatsuk Mazur. Please join me in a prayer honoring St. Rose of Lima. God our Father, for love of you, St. Rose gave up everything to devote herself to a life of penance. By the help of her prayers, may we imitate her selfless way of life on earth and enjoy the fullness of your blessings in heaven. Grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, 
who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We're trying to fix the live stream, and something is uh, uh, something is uh, problematic. It's, it looks like it's on my end with my computer. I don't know what it is, but we're going to go to your emails and your calls and your texts. So feel free to call in with anything at all on your heart. One eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com and if you go to um, uh, following the program uh, station of the cross you could listen to the live podcast you can still go to life site news and uh, station of the cross Facebook page and you can listen to the live broadcast today but it looks like we're not going to be streaming today we'll keep trying to fix it beloved. We're so sorry about that. Um, we're going to take an email from Mary Kate. Mary Kate uh, writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I'm so blessed to have found your live stream show. I used to listen to you on the radio, and I greatly miss being able to do so while driving. My question regards, well now, beloved, um, let me just say you can still listen on the radio if you download the iCatholic, um, uh, dot, uh, what is it? iCatholic Radio, uh, uh, iCatholic Radio uh, app, you can do that. The iCatholic Radio app, if you if you can do it on your phone, I don't know what kind of phone you have, then you can still listen live uh, while you're while you're going to work. Okay, let me read the rest of the. Uh, uh, email here. It's, she says, my question regards a dear friend. She was once an evangelical Protestant, but is converting to Judaism. Oh dear, that's a little backwards. For at least the past 10 years, she's been something of a messianic Jew, but now is ready to convert to Judaism without renouncing Jesus as the Messiah. Oh dear. She said, I pray for her daily for her family's conversion to Catholicism. My family and I are practicing Catholics, and she has other Catholics in her life. She joined us for Mass on Easter, but was struck with how reverential it was rather than joyful. I wonder how I might do a lot more to share the truth of our faith with her and her husband. She is converting. He is converting to Judaism as well. Thank you, and God bless you. Oh, my goodness. Um, You tell her that, to begin with, Messianic Jewish congregations, for the most part, are evangelical Protestants in their theology. Um, And, yes, they can be very joyful um, trying to imitate the music and the dance and all of that of the Jewish culture. But nothing of that has to do with Mass. It Mass is reverential. 
we are before God. And you can remind her, especially if she's looking to convert to Judaism, that the people before Mount Sinai in the Judaism that God gave through Moses, the Ten Commandments on the Mount, to even appear before the Mount, the people had to bathe, they had to fast, they had to refrain from marital relations. Read the book of Exodus. Even to refrain from marital relations, they had to be free of sin, and they could not even come near the mountain. With all that, they had to stand back. They couldn't touch it or they would die because God was there. Only Moses could come near the mountain. So uh, you can remind her that um, uh, that whoever, when when um, the tabernacle was uh, was taken, and uh, the, the tabernacle in which uh, not our Lord dwells as He dwells today, but the very presence, the Shekinah, the glory, uh, the glory cloud of God descended. The uh, um, the Ten Commandments were in there, Aaron's rod that had budded miraculously, the hidden manna was in there, uh, the manna that rained down miraculously, all of that. And if you even touched the tabernacle, if you touched it, you'd be dead. Uh, they didn't uh, picture those people uh, joyful around that mountain. They were shaking with fear, as well they should be before God. And that's the reverence we need to have at Mass. We don't have to be fearful because we know, as uh, one Protestant mystic said, we can take refuge from God in God. We go to Mass and we know God is present. He's not present in a Messianic Jewish congregation. He's not present in a Protestant church. Not substantially his body, blood, soul, and divinity. And so... uh, Uh, But he was at Mount Sinai, and so not body, blood, soul, and divinity, but but his presence came down on that mountain, the Shekinah glory, as we call it. Um, And so uh, they, they... they froze with fright. They wouldn't talk to God. They said, "Moses, you, 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 you speak to, to God for us. We, we can't talk to God." And they were right. And they were right. So, if your evangelical friend comes to a reverent Catholic mass and says it's too reverent and not joyful, you tell her it's not a party. It's not a cultural celebration. It's the presence of God as they were present before him on Mount Sinai. And if you go to an Orthodox uh, Jewish synagogue, Orthodox, not Reformed, Reconstructionist, not female pastors or, or rabbis, none of that. If you go to a true Orthodox Jewish synagogue, you will see reverence. Even though God is not there, they believe the Torah is. You will see reverence, beloved. So she does not yet understand who God is and um, and certainly does not understand who the Messiah is. She said she was a Protestant, part of a, a Messianic congregation. Uh, that a Messianic congregation generally believes that the Messiah has come. You go back to Judaism, you deny the Messiah. And if you've once truly believed and you deny him, 
Hebrews chapter 6 says, once you've tasted of the salvation of the Lord and you turn back, there's no more salvation for you. It's very, very serious. So I would speak clearly and strongly to your friend. I would get her two books, Salvation is from the Jews, and the other book would be Honey from the Rock, all the history of salvation from Abraham to the second coming, and then Honey from the Rock, 16 Jewish people who became Catholic because they believed that it was the fulfillment of Judaism. So um, there's the break music, beloved. Feel free to call in with anything on your heart at one 877 511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com We'll be right back. Love learning more about the church but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. If you love listening to Catholic Radio, consider making a transfer of stock. Donations of stock go a long way in helping us share the truths of the faith with countless listeners. A transfer of stock from your investment portfolio to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network is a great opportunity to use your investment to spread the gospel message. Transfer of stock is tax-free, so you can avoid a capital gains tax, and even in most cases, take a tax deduction for the full value of the stock. Because there is no tax, the amount of your donation is maximized, and the entire process is simple and easy. To learn more about this giving option, please call us at 1-877-888-6279. That's 1-877-888-6279. Or visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Thank you, and may God bless you for supporting the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. And if you're, if you don't see, uh, Mother Miriam Live on your live stream, uh, it's because we're having technical problems today. My, my, somehow my computer won't co- cooperate. So we're live radio. We're live voice. 
Um, and I apologize, but um, that's what we were for a few years. So we're back to that today, and we'll try to fix it for sure. Uh, we'll be all right. We'll be back up tomorrow. But for today, um, you can listen. Um, if you have the iCatholic radio app, you can listen on your phone, your iPhone, uh, and I think your computer as well, if you can download that. Um and you can go to Facebook and listen on Mother Miriam Live. Uh, again, you won't get the live stream, but you'll get the podcast, as you will on LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. So let me take our next email. It's from Shannon. And Shannon writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I have two things I'd like to talk about. First, I feel I'm being labeled as judgmental because of sharing my knowledge of our faith. I always try to tread carefully and share with charity and clarity, as I've learned from listening to Catholic radio, but still feel feel labeled as judgmental. My mother even gave me a printout from one of her daily prayer books about giving others, hold on a minute now, um, liberty to live God's will by their own choice. My husband urges me to remain steadfast and continue to carry this cross, but I feel conflicted and under a lot of pressure, being pulled in different directions. Secondly, I am feeling buried by debt and really want to pray for financial prosperity. My husband and my, I both have good-paying jobs. I'm 33 and he's 36, and we really want to own a home of our own to raise our two boys, um, but we cannot seem to get ahead. I cried yesterday, and I feel so bad that we are having such difficulty reaching this goal. I also am having difficulty accepting that this is how it is to be right now because we work hard and are anxious to reach our goals. I would really appreciate any advice or feedback from you. I look forward to your show every day. God bless Shannon. Shannon, let me first take um, uh, your first uh, point of being considered judgmental because you, um, let me see now, uh, let me see in your words here. Um, I'm being labeled as judgmental because of sharing my knowledge of our faith. I try to tread carefully and share with charity and clarity as I've learned from uh, listening to Catholic radio, but still feel labeled judgmental. And my mother even gave me a printout from one of her daily prayer books about giving others the liberty to live God's will by their own choice. Your husband sounds like he's on your side, but you've got difficulty. Now, the problem there, Shannon, is because this is an email, I don't know your situation. Um, I'm From your email, it seems that your, your mother is not Catholic or others in your family are not Catholic. If they're not, you might possibly be sharing with them in an inappropriate way. They may feel judged. And you know, sometimes, no, most times, it takes the right circumstance um, to begin to talk about the differences in your Catholic faith versus, I'm guessing, their Protestant faith. 
Um, and if you just bring up what you believe at any moment, um, uh, they're going to feel put down and judged. So I don't know how you may feel you're sharing with clarity and, and, and charity, but you may not be sharing with either one of those if they are not receptive, if it is not an appropriate time, if they haven't invited you to share, if there's not an opening for you to share that, um, or, uh, or you don't make that special time with them. So I don't know how you're doing it, but um, they, they're going to be turned away from your faith if it's not done with, with respect and at appropriate times. You need a listening ear. If you're hitting a wall, you can be sure that you're not doing it with charity, for sure. And it won't be clear to them, even though you think you're speaking with clarity, they don't know what you're talking about. So uh, the circumstances really, really matter. As far as your finances go, um, you're 33, he's 36, you're raising two boys, and you both have good-paying jobs. Um, You want to own a home to raise your two boys, but you can't seem to get ahead, and you say, um, I'm feeling buried by debt and really want to pray for financial prosperity. I don't think that's a good prayer. That sounds like a social gospel, financial prosperity. No, we pray every day, give us this day our daily bread. That's what we ask God for. Give us this day our daily bread. We don't ask God for prosperity. If we want to raise a million dollars to give to the poor, we can certainly ask for God's help. If we want to save money, To buy a home, we can ask for God's help. However, if you're looking for prosperity, you're out of God's will. And if you are both have good paying full time jobs and you're not home for your two boys, I don't know that God will give you a home to raise them in because, my dear one, you should be home with them. If your husband has a good paying job and he can support the family on his salary, Forget about your own home. See, again, I don't know where you're living now. I don't know if you're living with your mother and you can't move out. That's a a different situation. I don't know your situation. Um, But why you're in debt, I don't know. You're a young couple with two boys, and I don't know why you're in debt because you're not telling me that. Um, You should not be in debt. The only way that you might be in debt is if one of you were ill and were out of work or you had unexpected, tremendous family medical bills without insurance to pay for it. Why you are so in debt and overburdened may be a symptom of your overspending. You're spending what God hasn't given you to spend. I have an idea that you have other lessons to learn, both you and your husband, to, to come together with someone that really understands family financial planning, family financial planning. And um, I think Phil Lenahan has published through, um, oh my, what is the, um, uh, oh, our Sunday visitor. Our Sunday visitor uh, has published a financial plan 
to help families to budget and to reach their uh, their goals, their dreams, if they can. But God will not help you that way if you're not living his design, beloved. You need to be living with hearts of gratitude. And if you're both working full time and your your sons are not with you, or your parents are raising them instead of you, I have no idea what your situation is, then God may not prosper you at all, and your prayers won't matter in that regard, because you need to learn how to be a proper mother and wife, and you should be home. And if you need extra money, start a home business. And if you need to work outside the home, you need to do it uh you say you both have good paying jobs, so it doesn't seem that you need to work outside the home. So I'm sorry if you feel put down by me today, but it doesn't appear that you're living in God's design, you see. And I think that's what God wants from you. To learn how to be grateful about your faith and only share your faith as one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. You are the beggar that God has graced. And your mother is another beggar, but she's not asking for food right now. So you need to reach out to her appropriately. Um, And again, as far as the finances go, if you can at all be at home, God might prosper you by being a proper mother and wife and keeping the home and being home with your two sons. Um, rather than you're looking to control things and bring in money. Okay, I leave you at that. And again, if I know the situation and it's anything other than we're talking about, um, I certainly apologize to you. That's why to call in on something like this, I can find out your situation and try to help you a little better. Um, We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Good morning, Mother Miriam. I read or heard something this weekend, and I'm confused. I read or heard, um, it's that's the way it's written, read slash heard, um, that in receiving uh, the, that in receiving in the Eucharist, do as others do in the Mass. I don't know what that is. Let me just try to make. I read or heard that in receiving the Eucharist, you are to do as others do at Mass. I, I think that's what you're saying. If they stand, stand. If they kneel, kneel. I read and heard that to do the opposite is standing out and actually a sin of false humidity and pride. It's absolutely false. Wherever you read that or heard that, it's absolutely false. Uh, She goes on to say, almost two years ago, our Lord called me to begin to kneel every time I went up to receive him in the Holy Eucharist. Good, good. That's music to my ears. Does this mean that for the parishes I go to throughout the week that don't have a kneeler and don't encourage us to receive on our knees, should I receive standing? God bless you. Um... I am not to rec- I am if there's a kneeler I kneel to receive the holy eucharist if there's no kneeler I have uh, problem knees and I cannot kneel on the floor um and so I make a profound bow and I receive standing on my tongue 
which is what the church requires, a profound bow and receiving the Eucharist on your tongue. The sister who's behind me kneels on the ground. If there's no kneeler, she always goes down on the floor on her knees. And so that's the answer for you. If God has called you to kneel, you kneel. If there's no kneeler, you still kneel unless you, like me, cannot go down on your knees. Don't worry about slowing down the line. Don't worry about people tripping over you. They have to be careful and keep their distance. Just don't. You kneel. And you are not to do what others do in the Mass. You're not at the Mass to follow other people. You're in the Mass to adore and receive our Lord. So if people stand and you kneel, that's the way it is. It's their business if they stand, not yours. It's your business if you kneel, not they. Um, And you heard or read that to do the opposite is standing out and actually a sin of false humidity and pride. It will be a sin for you if you don't kneel because God has called you to kneel. You don't, there's nothing about false humility and pride kneeling before the God of the universe. Nothing of that. Just ignore what people think and say, and you revere God and let them deal with that. I've been at a parish where I'm the only one who stands um, at certain times. I'm the only one who kneels at certain times. And before I was a sister, I, I wore a veil, all of that. And people uh, would yell at me and, you know, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're standing out, you're distracting us. That They have a problem. I'm going to do what is right before God. I don't do it to annoy anybody. Um But that's the answer for you. If your knees can handle the floor, you kneel. Um, Let me see. Now, we have another email uh, from somebody who writes in uh, anonymously. We may not have enough time for it. Let me give it it a start. Someone who writes it anonymously and says, Good morning, Mother. Our parish currently has no permanent pastor, as we are short of priests in our diocese. The bishop has appointed an administrator priest for a while until we have a permanent one. Well, that's good. At least he's a priest. We have adoration in our parish certain times in the month. The priest is not available for the exposition or benediction of the adoration. Extraordinary ministers of communion do the setup and break down of it. Um, we did have benediction when we had a priest. I better, there's our music. I'm not going to even be able to finish to read this email. I'm so sorry, beloved. We'll begin next time with your email. God bless all of you. Love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. And we'll see you tomorrow.